open that some people might say is racist <laughs> that some people might try to cancel me for you know the libs the dems and so on that some people may say is heinous but i really liked this movie and i don't care who knows <laughs> actually that's a little bit overselling it i enjoyed this movie <laughs> good evening ghouls i'm robert I'm Becca. Uh, I, my alias is Alec. And we are the Undead Poet Society, the podcast where we consume art and spit it back at you into new art. This week we are talking about Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai, a movie which we watched. We did watch it, and we encourage you to please watch it as well. Uh, we will be spoiling things, so be ready for that. We should make more episodes of movies that we haven't even seen. <laughs> just just start talking about them. Because really, if you think about it, the internet just wants you to have a take. You don't like your take doesn't have to be founded. Did you mean Robert's undergraduate uh, degree? <laughs> like your take doesn't have to be founded on any like kind of like fact or objective experience. It just has to be hot. You know what I mean? Um, I'm literally like, t- talking about that in class right now. Like we, we I just posted in a freaking discussion board about how like you don't have to be factually correct and like indeed a lot of the science that's coming out these days just isn't right. It's just people trying to get shit out there as fast as they can and it's becoming yeah. a real problem. <laughs> hell yeah. Like Mad Max Fury Road, a movie which I haven't seen mid. <laughs> it's not that good. I mean, based on fucking uh, 3,000 Years of Longing, I'm going to agree with that because that movie was not my cup of tea. <laughs> but that's not what movie we're talking about. We're talking about Seven Samurai. We are talking about Seven Samurai. Samurai. Can, I do a, can I do a summary? Uh, please. I want to be the summary boy. I think I like doing the summaries. So, Seven Samurai, right? We're in the late 15, 1600s, something like that. It's Japan. Uh, there's lots of samurai running around. We open up on a village full of destitute, weepy villagers. They're having their shit stolen uh, by bandits constantly. They're on the verge of starvation, not having a good time. What is the solution? How are we going to fix this? The village is going to go out and look for samurai, try to hire them to protect them. Uh, however, uh, samurai usually only fight for fancy people um, or at the very least for money something that the villagers are not and do not have. So what's the solution? Find some hungry samurai, because what they want is for the bandits to not steal their food. So if this, if they can convince seven samurai, or a, an indeterminate number of samurai, I think they to fight on their first. behalf. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, the village elder said he wanted ten, right? <laughs> no, he said, he said, if I'd have said seven, then I w- they would have yeah. come with. He was like seven. I, I was hoping for ten, but if I mm. if I told you ten, you would have came back with fifteen or fifteen, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, they they just have to find hungry samurai, samurai that will fight on their behalf for nothing besides like room and board, basically. 
some some rubes from the village get sent out to that effect. They go to like the nearest big town that has samurai. Uh, they are subsisting on basically like they call it millet. From what I understand, it's like wild rice, like non-domesticated. Uh, it's like you find it like growing in like the streets and stuff. It's basically like eating tree bark. Um, they are having a bad time. They're have they're not able to find samurai to join them until they find an older uh, samurai who's a bit of a ronin. He's wandering around, doesn't have a uh, doesn't have a specific lord that he's sworn to, who uh, solves a hostage situation by pretending to be a monk and then uh, killing the combatant, which I will point out is a war crime. <laughs> uh, to engage in combat disguised as a non-combatant is a war crime, but we're going to, uh, we're, we're going to skim over that. Um, this is, uh, the, our first samurai who I will, uh, endearingly refer to as sword daddy. Um, his he's, he's actual a, name is Kambe. <laughs> um, he's, uh, he's a well, uh, meaning, well, uh, tempered older samurai who's had a, a lot of, bad times and lost in lots of battles in the past uh and uh with him uh they start gaining more and more samurai who are willing to uh to fight for their cause they go back to the village um the seven samurai are a motley crew uh we've got like sword daddy who's like the cool old tempered one uh there's like a silent like super skilled one uh there's a younger disciple samurai who's like a rich kid and uh, who is a little bit more uh, naive than everyone else. Um, there is a mountain kid uh, samurai who's got a cartoonishly large sword and uh, look looks and sounds like he was raised by wild apes out in the wilderness. It's a colorful cast. It's a good time. Uh, they bond with each other. They gain the respect of the villagers and fortify the village and, uh, and train the villagers against the uh, oncoming bandits. Um, however, one of the villagers, uh, who had his wife stolen by the bandits is like way more into killing the bandits than everyone else. Uh, he, they go to their fortress to try and like smoke them out and like light it on fire only to discover that not only is his wife there and still alive, uh, she actually runs back into the burning building rather than like <laughs> allow herself to be freed and go back with him, which I don't think we got enough resolution for. If I'm being honest, I feel like that's just something that kind of happened. We can talk about this it. character up, and uh, yeah, we, we can talk about it. Um, they eventually go back to the village. Uh, the bandits come in, in hordes and waves. The villagers uh, and the samurai fight valiantly. Uh, several samurai and villagers' lives are lost, but in the end, uh, the villagers led by the samurai prevail. Um, however, several villagers, including some of the ones that we've grown most attached to, and four of the samurai perish. Um, however, the bandits are all defeated, albeit at a steep cost. Okay. So, general thoughts? I had a good time. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I uh, am I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it, because some behind the scenes uh, information. It took us several tries to actually watch this movie because we didn't yeah. realize initially how freaking long it is. It's a yeah. pig comes in at like three hours, 20 minutes and has its own intermission. Like it's like a, like a whole ass Broadway play, which actually that's something I wanted to talk about was uh, how much it felt like a stage play. I mean, at this 
time, right? Wasn't that... I mean, it wasn't until, honestly, pretty recently that we started making movies like movies and not plays. Yeah. I thought, like, in particular, it felt almost like a musical where the fight scenes were the musical number. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was long. It was very long. <laughs> um, it, it And it's shocking, like, how efficient the filmmaking is and how long it still is. I think there's a lot of areas where, like, it could have been pared down. There was a lot of scenes where it was, like, people looking back and forth for, like, a solid 45 seconds that... I don't know, maybe maybe somebody else could argue that they're important for establishing character, but I thought, I was like, okay, we get it. Like, what are we doing here? You know what I mean? I think it'd be an interesting project for, like, an aspiring editor to take movies like this that are very, mm. very long and try to edit them down into some predetermined number, like two hours flat or something like that, and to, like, to try and uh, decide what it is you, like, leave in and take out and maybe even rearrange, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. maybe, like certain scenes could be like rearranged in order to be more effective or more efficient. I don't know. I, 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 if I were more into editing, I feel like that would, or if I was going to like teach an editing class, um, I think that'd be a very could interesting be assignment. Yeah. But I think, I think overall course, uh, was a very efficient storyteller. I think that like he's accomplishing a lot of things, um, at the same time. Um, cause there's a lot of fucking characters in this, you know what I mean? Like not only are there the seven samurai, but there's a bunch of villagers, villagers too, that are pretty yeah. important too. You know what I mean? So I think overall it was very efficient. I, I think, um, a lot of people would argue that Kurosawa is one of the best like editors, um, in film history. Um, because you know, they didn't, they didn't shoot very much film back in these days you know what i mean like they didn't shoot nearly as much as we do today um so the amount of stuff that he got that was usable was uh pretty incredible um, i will say with with characters and with character work um i think they're honestly are too many samurai <laughs> in that like i only really remember four and then three of them kind of blend into the same person for me, mm. like Woodchop, Merchant, and uh, Second in Command guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like they're 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 a lot less developed. Um, and if you're and if you're gonna name your movie The Seven Samurai, I would hope that each one of them would feel really unique and be really different. And four of them definitely were, both in the casting and the way that their characters were like yeah. kind of set up. You know what I mean? Um, like. Like sword daddy, uh, disciple kid, mountain boy, and uh, strong silent guy are all very different characters, and they also look like very different people. Yeah, very distinct. Like I feel like the casting for the like the the I don't know. For me personally, it was almost like the casting was spent on the like the on the four best and most developed characters. And then the characters that were, in my opinion, less developed, also the casting was a little bit less strong. Like, those three dudes, like, I don't know, for me personally, like, visually look similar to one another. Like, they're all just kind of, like, uh, like kind of, like, portly-ish short guys with, like, similar, like, haircuts. You know what yeah. I mean? And so they, they, they definitely stand out a lot less. 
Um, also, we got uh, zero. I just realized we have absolutely zero characterization for any of the villains. There are no named villains except for like kind of we get some visual characterization for the big bandit bad guy because he's got like a special helmet and like yeah. an eye patch situation going on. Um, but w- but besides that, um, there's there's absolutely no characterization for any of the villains, any of the bandits. Um, I kind of which is, think that's a good move, in my opinion, though. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you're going to have such a big cast of samurai plus the villagers, like, I don't want to spend any time with any other characters. Like, I think the cast is already a little bit bloated as it is. Like, mm. I, I, don't, I don't think we needed any more villains. Because, like, it didn't really matter... Like they they they're not very nuanced villains, you know what I mean? Like mm. they're the enemy, and I don't think the point of the movie was like the the these people are people too. Like they the 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 story that they're trying to tell needed some pretty like cut and dry. Like these are the bad guys. Like I don't want to feel anything else for him. So I kind of I'm kind of on board with that personally. Sure. Yeah, I mean the last lines are. Uh the main samurai and his friend um saying you know referencing a conversation they had earlier in the film when they were talking about um you know this may be our last battle but then in the end it was just only them and the young kid left and they were saying like you know this may not have actually been our last battle but really it was because of the samurai that we lost along the way and I feel like the villains needed to be what they were in order to be that unifying force. Um, like, I don't feel like, I feel like if they had been any more detailed or nuanced, then it wouldn't really have, it would have been a different, I don't want to say moral, but like message in the end of the story um just because i feel like i don't know i feel like whatever detail we got about the villains was just they were there to build up the character of the samurai rather than the other way around you know i hear where you guys are coming from for sure but i also love me some characterized villains you know what i mean and i don't think that you would have to spend like an entire like plot with them or anything like that but like for example, give the uh, like give uh, villagers uh, stolen wife to big baddie eye patch or something. You know what I mean? Like try and like I don't know. For me personally, I like, thought it was pretty clear that she was his though. Like that's why yeah, she wasn't. She was, was, like, was it that I missed robe. something? She, she was yeah, she, dressed super nice. She was the only one in clothes, and she was in a canopy, like a like in, in a special room. Hmm. A special I guess I missed bed. that. That's my bad then. Um, it's definitely not like they didn't say like this is the main guys. It wasn't obvious, yeah, but it was like but... I thought like the the separation and like how nice she was dressed and like that kind of thing was kind of like indicating that she was claimed by the big baddie or whatever. Um, for me though, I think that like I don't know, like I, I I'm still stuck on the seven samurai, especially the three that you mentioned. Like they almost felt like plot devices more than mm. you know what i mean especially like the the kid who died you know um like first like the the lighthearted one wood chop yeah. yeah 
Um, they like they say he was lighthearted, but then I feel like he was kind of a wallflower as far as yeah. the, the story went. Like he didn't really do anything. <laughs> it was like okay, there's this guy. He's super. He's not very good. He's not a great fighter, but like he's very funny and like he's great for morale and stuff like that. So that's why they have him on board. It's like trying to say like yeah, look like being a warrior is not everything when it comes to be part of being part of the team. And I was like, cool. So I, I want this guy to be like quirky and funny and doing stuff. But really, Kikuchio, the uh, longsword daddy or longsword guy, he was the funniest and by far the most charming. Easy, yeah. You know what I mean? The most likable because of how like ridiculous he is. Um, My favorite character. Oh yeah. I, like they they really ladled on the attention to his character, and I think it's I think it's deserved. I think he was. Uh, like like built to be a much more successful character than a lot of the people around him. Yeah, know? I liked him a lot. Him and uh, the uh, the badass Kyozo or Gyozo or something like that. The strong the silent guy. That, yeah. He's just he's just fucking cool. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm, yeah. I'm a sucker for the strong silent like they, samurai. They type, really you know? casted him too. Yeah. Like he like he like he's got like this like this position that he kind of like holds his like lower lip and lower jaw in like almost like a Clint Eastwood like yeah. type look you know what i mean and like i don't know i just he was so like when he goes out into like the night and just comes back with a yeah, musket and announces mist. that the other two are dead yeah. so freaking cool dude yeah great great casting great uh he 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 really put his whole bussy into that role his whole same Sam thing with Kikuchio, though the guy the humorous guy he was he oh my he God. was so physical you know what i mean like playing that role must have been fucking exhausting like he is constantly bouncing up and down like literally climbing up and down like fences and like up and down hillsides and like running around with this big ass sword you know what i mean which like i it looks kind of heavy like i don't know if it's like real metal or not but like yeah like that dude like just constantly running around constantly screaming constantly laughing like that would have been an exhausting character yeah. to play I, and uh th- and he did not hold back i heard t- uh s- on, uh, on a podcast i was listening to about this that the cinephiles for those who are wondering um th- that kurosawa would give his actors or not give his actors they would he would like tell his actors to come up with uh body gestures and he would have them repeat those gestures like frequently, and like that was. So I, so I, I imagine has like his little like hair rub. Thing yeah, or, or like and then, the like time. the way that he holds his sword and stuff like mm. that. And so that I thought that was a kind of interesting, like how, um, how their physical actions were ways of uh, setting them apart, and that was definitely part of like body language motifs. Almost. Was his you know energy. Um, and just kind of like, just like jumping around and stuff. I, I thought it was a lot of fun. Hmm. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like we might have gotten a little bit too much of the villagers. I think if I'm going to cut anything, it would be a little bit of that. Because I don't know. Yeah. This story feels like it's supposed to be about the seven samurai. Yeah. And I I would have liked less villagers and more samurai. Like I almost feel like we could have started with the people in the village looking for samurai. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I, I yeah. like don't even start in the village like just forget all that and we're we're already out and about looking for samurai. And yeah. you know what I mean? Like cuz I at the end of the day no, I don't yeah, really I, I I could absolutely see that. Yeah. At the end of the day I don't really like the villi- none of the villagers are 
people I like really or like are particularly attached to like there's the old guy he's he's got a great voice Yohei you don't like him which one's Yohei the guy with his mouth is always open he lost the rice they stole it oh from yeah him. I mean he's fine like all of them are fine you know what I mean <laughs> but like yeah I don't know like Rikichi I is annoying um and but he's had a hard life yeah, I don't know. You don't know I just what don't care like. about the villagers. I care about the samurai. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, like I I think this is a story about the samurai, and I think we got too much villager and not enough samurai because there's three whole samurai that kind of fall by the wayside. I think I found myself thinking like when they were looking for the samurai and they were in the little hostel, and like unibrow guy is there and he's just bullying them the whole time, like that got a little too much for me i was like there's too much of this guy like yeah especially also for didn't him really being go anywhere no-named. else also to spend so yeah. much time on them and then just have them like completely cut from the movie basically when they go back to the village you're right there's a little bit too much attention there maybe yeah but i feel what you're saying though like like starting like maybe uh start the story with uh sword daddy like with like with the older samurai and he like kind of wanders into town and is approached by the villagers and and maybe try and roll the villagers into because i like there's kind of like four or five different villagers that are like semi-important um maybe rolling them into like uh like two maximum you know what i mean like for like for us to like care about and then spend the rest of that attention on uh making the samurai uh, like more uh, like like the the three samurai that we feel are kind of like left out, um, maybe spend some more time on fleshing them out. And it's not like we lack for time. This movie's three hours and twenty minutes yeah. long. Um, there's just like, and, and I I don't mind a movie being that long if it's consistently good throughout. But there were times that I felt like we were focusing on the wrong thing. Um, I think it was an enjoyable and a very good movie overall. Uh, but I, I just I just don't know if it if, if it is worth the entire three hour twenty minute runtime. Yeah. Like there's like there, I feel like there's some places and that either could have been improved in the editing or in the uh, uh, making it a more efficient story uh, narratively. Yeah, yeah. I think the set was amazing. They built everything. Everything was completely built. None of it was. And they and they built it like fully, which is a lot of fun. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't mm. like only build like partial, like a room. If you're gonna go into a house, like they built the whole fucking house, mm. which is cool. And some of the sets are amazing. The when he's laying down, uh, what's his name? Uh, Katsushiro, the rich rich boy. Um, mm. When he's laying down in the uh, in the flowers, that was mm. very very striking imagery. They hand built each one of those flowers. <laughs> or the uh, the cave with the waterfall. That's an amazing set. That was a cool location. Yeah. I'm sad we didn't go there more. Yeah, it was it was a cool like visually striking place. Yeah. So like so much of the like movie is spent in the village, which I totally understand. But the village is also like it's it's extremely well constructed and it's probably historically accurate. Um, but it's also just like kind of ugly. Yeah. No? Like which like I don't know. That's yeah. probably it's probably the point is like. There, it's supposed to be normal and ordinary, and not you know what I mean. And I think what he is able to accomplish in that ordinary village, and like the shots that you get and, and stuff like that, is pretty, um, pretty incredible. We should talk about shot composition because that's a, a 
an area that I think that this movie excels yes. in. Yes, uh, yeah. Um, especially, you know, that final scene when they're looking at the... Um, with the, the graves, graves with the seven or the four swords and the mounds and like the little tombstone looking things um that is you know a, an, an amazing shot and the one where the flag is fluttering and it's taking up pretty much the entire shot or the entire frame um is beautiful i think kurosawa Kur, oh my gosh kurosawa fucking fuck me kurosawa <laughs> really excels there um yeah the soundtrack too was really good. Not what I was expecting. It was kind of like uh, it was a lot more big band than I was mm. expecting. You know what I mean? I don't mm. know. I wonder. Uh, it, it felt very uh, western. Yeah, it did. Which I wonder uh, how much Kurosawa had seen like westerns. You know what I mean? Sure. And like to what degree that influenced his uh, his movies. That'd be interesting to know. Which would be funny too, because one of the most famous westerns, The Magnificent Seven, was very, you know, obviously based upon this movie. So, was it that way? Yes. Like, did, like, did you learn that from yes. the podcast yes. that it, it it goes in that direction? Yes. That's hundred percent goes in that direction. Yeah. Yeah, and pretty pretty unabashedly too. Like they were just like, let's take all the quote unquote cool things, the love letter from Seven Samurai, yeah. and make the Magnificent Seven. That's pretty cool. I like that. Just out of curiosity, um, Becca, uh, what is your feminist standpoint uh, on the fact that there are only two women of note in the movie, uh, one of which is uh, sexually used and then basically tossed aside by the story, and the other one which is burned alive? Well, and grandma. Oh, sure, yeah. And and, and a grandma that got to kill a dude with a rake. I- she got <laughs> hers. I guess that's pretty fun. She fucking got hers. Um... The movie is pretty standard for its time. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's. I think it would be I above guess. standard That's for its my time. Opinion. To be honest, um, I yeah, we noticed that as well. As far as like, um, emotional awareness goes, like they talk about, um, like, hey, you shouldn't bottle up your feelings. It's okay for men to cry. Yeah. Like yeah. in in the. 20th century the 50s like that literally <laughs> in 1954 and in, in post-war japan. like post-imperial japan yeah that's it's it's yeah. i was pretty surprised that there was a moment where two men sat down and one of them was like hey how do you feel <laughs> like let's let's talk about your feelings because i'm worried about you and that you're not addressing your feelings and that it's hurting you like i was i like honestly i was fucking rocked by the fact that that scene even existed yeah and i know a lot of people would consider that to be anachronistic i i worry that it's satirical um i don't know thinking back on it i feel like maybe but watching it at the time i didn't feel that way i was really impressed by it um that was i don't i don't think i feel that way I feel like it was genuine and sincere. It, it felt sincere in that moment. In a way, that was like the most feminist part of this movie <laughs> was was that you can talk <laughs> about your feelings like that. Um, I think they did a good ish job too when the uh, like daughter was being slut shamed. That like the uh, one of the samurai stepped in and was just like, "Hey, uh, chill out!" Yeah. Like they're just like. They're just they're just kids. Just remember what it was to be young and like uh like forgive her. Like she's your daughter. You should care about her. Um, I don't know if they use that many words, but 
just like I, I I don't think that the movie like unilaterally portrayed her as like a villain for having had premarital sex with someone, you know, um, or at least there were there were characters involved and around that uh, didn't agree with like the, like they didn't all just nod mm-hmm. their heads while the dad was beating the shit out of her, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. I guess that has to count for something in 1950s Japan. I also think that in a lot of other movies, when Katsu Katsushiro and her were like in the flowers and stuff like like he would have they would have had sex right there and right then and there and like it would have been nothing but like instead it was like no let's wait for the right moment not not that it was a conscious thing but like in the plot like let's wait for a moment that like we're both emotionally ready whereas in Mm -hmm. a lot of other films the lead man yeah exactly first opportunity the lead man's gonna make a move you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and he you know no one made None of the, our quote unquote good people made moves on any of the women inappropriately, and that I was, guess. That was another thing I wanted to talk about was the fact that Shino was the only woman that they were concerned about. Like like her father was mm. was and I mentioned this while we were watching it, her father was like so concerned with like oh my gosh, these samurai are going to see our women and they're just going to like take them and mm. abuse them. So he makes Shino dress as a boy. But like... Fucks up her That happened, right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> but then it happens anyway because, I don't know, fate, you know, it, it happens. But she wasn't abused the way he was expecting. Like she, it was voluntary. He was the abuser. Yeah. <laughs> She, yeah, and then in the end, he was the only one who hurt her. So yeah, I think that, that says something, like about about the women in the film. I don't know. Yeah, it, when when women were portrayed as like possessions, it was always portrayed in a negative light. You know what I mean? Yeah, which you know, it's not good. much, but it, it it's better than what we usually get, and especially in Japan. Yeah. Um, where unfortunately there are a lot of you know um, misogynistic traditions, especially at this time. So I think yeah. it's, it's. I'm I'm grateful that we don't have anything like that. Yeah, yeah, like we're we're <laughs> we're we're good. <laughs> I uh, I mentioned it while we were watching the movie, uh, but I wasn't sure whether or not Kurosawa had the ability to, to make rain because um, the weather yeah. is very commanded. Like it, it's like it doesn't just rain for no reason like it it seems to either like like when they're in the first village it underscores the fact that the villagers are sad while they're looking for samurai and not having success or um later on it happens during like like the a, a battle of great important people that we care about are dying um so it like it seems very intentional yeah. and so my uh my naturally my question was is the rain itself actually made intentionally yes. like does he have like some means of making rain did the did your podcast mention that? Because I did some casual googling and could not for the life. They of didn't me mention it. Find an answer. They didn't mention it specifically. Um, but what they did mention, um, like they didn't they, like like the mechanics or anything like that. But what they did mention was that, like that was part of what made them go over budget. Um, because they they went way over budget and they went way over time. Um, and so they mentioned that. Uh, the water in specific because the film was originally supposed to be shot at the end of summer when it was going to be nice and warm so everyone would be fine getting wet 
but because it went way over schedule, it was actually shot in February and like almost, you know, like I noticed freezing it was cold. temperatures. Because like, when it's raining, you can see their breath. Yeah. So it's a cold rain. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it it was intentional, and uh, it I just, made I for still miserable just know whether or not like. Like did like did he stand like did they sit around waiting for it to rain or did he have some means of like make it no yeah and yeah a, a they part made of it me rain feels like they, 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 oh they made yes. it rain okay so it like so it so this isn't natural no rain. it is not natural that's, rain that's very impressive to me because a lot of these are wide ass shots like his con like his composition in general maybe for those wide shots uh it's. Uh, some sort of like effect that they're putting on the film yeah. or something to like make it look like it's raining when it's actually not. Um, and maybe like the actual uh, man-made rain is just happening on like closer shots where it's important. I don't yeah. know. Um, but I, 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 that's something that I was thinking about and it's, it, it's technically impressive how they were able to pull that off because it does feel like absolutely natural rain. You know what I mean? I was just thinking whether like how, easy that would be or how achievable that would be in like immediately post-war japan in the 1950s yeah it's funny that you mentioned the uh camera uh, the wide shots too because this movie actually he used a lot of uh long shots um specifically um he used them to, to manipulate uh spatial distances so if you remember while we were watching the movie we kept saying like, oh my God, this is so fucking dangerous. Like these horses are getting so close to these people. And like, this must've been so incredibly dangerous, Ooh, which it probably was visual. Trickery yeah. There's involved? camera shenanigans going on where like what looks like inches in reality was probably more like feet. Um, and so he was able to manipulate the, the shot to make it look a lot tighter than it was um, because of these long shots he was using, which I thought was uh, oh, really cool. That's fun. That's so cool. Yeah. Interesting. Um, do we want to pour one out for our, our homie K- Kikuchio? Cause, uh, yeah, that was, uh, I'm real sad about that. That was depressing. And I feel like his death wasn't particularly impactful either. I All don't of know. the deaths like, were it, kind like, of abrupt for me. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I, they, which I suppose if you want to be a realist about it, like that's, that's how deaths in a battle happen, you know? Um, but this isn't realism. This is a very... Yeah like stylized narrative and if people are presented to be important then i want to hopefully get some sort of important resolution for them but uh like like i don't know like maybe establish some sort of rivalry between uh uh long sword and disciple kid and then uh have long sword get himself killed uh like saving disciple kid or something yeah, you know something like along those lines uh yeah, it, like like they like I think more than one of the samurai dies off screen, which like isn't like super don't love it, you yeah. know? Um Yeah, I don't know. I don't yeah. I I think I don't I I guess we're we maybe we're just like spoiled, but like I would have liked a little bit more like intimate shots when when they did die because a lot of it can you you felt like physically far away almost like i would have liked to have been a little bit closer a little bit more face acting but instead it was a lot of body acting um yeah which i think might be just a product of the time and you know these days we're a lot more intimate with our shots and a lot closer um and that's just like the modern style of filmmaking that we're used to and grew up with and like because of that um 
but I don't know. For me, like when one when the only ones that really hit me when they died was Gyoza or Kyoza. Kyozo? Strong and Song silent. Is strong and silent in Kikuchio. Just because they were Long my faves. Yeah. yeah. I was shocked that yeah, Kanbei didn't two... die. Sword Daddy. I, I thought he was for sure dead. Like gonna die like yeah. a honorable death and actually it might it, it kind of i don't know i think it's better that he didn't because it was a little bit unexpected and yeah it just kind of like nails home the point of like we survive you know what i mean like some days you survive and sometimes surviving is worse than not you know what i mean because you have to yeah. live with the loss which you know he has because he said many times that he has been in many battles and lost most of them. <laughs> <laughs> also, gigantic F for a uh, rich kid disciple who like gets into like this like secret like lovers relationship with this girl uh, is sought out by her on the eve of battle. Uh, has it thrown in his face by everybody around, and then after the battle, she like Loki just ignores him. <laughs> no? Ghosts him. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big F. Um. Which I don't know. That's Power that move felt. On her that, part. Yeah, that felt very powerful and on her part. Gatekeep, but girl boss, gaslight, all of it. It also kind of felt like she was just giving in to whatever the people around her wanted, specifically her dad. You know what I mean? Um, I thought the most powerful part, like the most feminist part of the movie, was when uh, homeboy's wife ran back into the flames. <laughs> yeah (laughs) imagine (laughs) that your wife wants so little to do with you that she will run back into the arms of a bandit warlord or burn themselves alive yeah trying to which i think it was much more about like the shame you know what i mean yeah like she felt so much that's what i was gonna say which damn um like she'd rather die than face that shame even Either though it's that not or just fault, reliving, reliving the trauma, like seeing him and then being like, this can't be real and just going insane and having a psychotic break and just going into the flames to get away from her trauma. Rough. That's kind of how I interpreted it because I don't know. It felt kind of weird that she would like, there's no way her life was better. I don't know. Maybe it was because she had these nice clothes and was like, preferred life with the bandits than her prior than her life poor him. life like she still gets all of the food she doesn't have to work in the rice patties she doesn't have to <laughs> i just yeah, remember i don't know sorry i just remembered something about the filming of that scene specifically they uh wanted to get real flames for this fire of course. So they built. Boy, how did they built this? Those are some real ass flames. <laughs> well, <laughs> they they built this building and then they were covering it in gasoline, and they were waiting for the fire department to get there to like, you know, oversee Make it. Sure. Yeah. Mm. And then as they were sitting there, Kurosawa was like, "I don't think we put enough gasoline on there." So they put even more <laughs> gasoline yeah. on there, and the flames burned so big and hot that um the actor who was it rikichi or mm-hmm. yeah is, is his wife is the one that yeah yeah Rick, the actor who played rikichi Angry village kid um burned his retinas when he <gasps> like took a step towards the building Stop. yeah 
<laughs> Jesus Christie. And, and his oh wife my. had she had like a like a little safe passage type place where she could go, but he like just uh <laughs> took a wrong step, looked at you know, went the wrong direction, burnt his eyes, and like fell to the ground and like as he fell to the ground and was like screaming and crying like it was partially because his fucking retinas were burning <laughs> you don't come back from Damn. that either they scab over and then you forever have scabs in your eyeball Ugh. like they can't get rid of that that's gross that is depressing hey man he got the shot <laughs> but he got the goddamn shot he got the goddamn lord knows that's shot. all that matters but yeah, overall, I think uh, I had a positive experience. It's definitely not going to go on my like list of like favorite movies of all time, but I can see why it would be on other people's, especially like if you maybe if we watched it again and like brought out the notebooks and we're like looking for particular things, we might have a little bit of a better appreciation for it. Which like I I, I was talking about this the other day um, with you guys off mic, but like I I like to watch video essays and read things and listen to podcasts about movies and stuff like that especially if we're going to talk about it just so i can get what other people are talking about and thinking about this movie um because apparently i don't have original thoughts but (laughs) it doesn't usually change like how much i loved a movie um it, it gives me like a better appreciation for certain aspects but it doesn't usually like make me like flip mm. my opinion on something because at the end of the day like if i didn't enjoy it like mm. at, on, its, on own. its own like on its own merits yeah you know what i mean like then i didn't enjoy it and like i can see why it, it would be like technically impressive and all these different things but as a piece of like entertainment it wasn't entertaining not this one specifically but if it wasn't entertaining then it wasn't entertaining even if it was technically beautiful um and this one was good. I liked it. It And all the stuff and all the research that I did made me enjoy the things that I enjoyed and made me realize certain things. But overall, I thought it was a above average movie. can definitely understand why it was so impactful and that it was so impactful on cinema in general. Um, because obviously, if it's on this list, it means that it's impacted um, society in some way. Um but specifically, this film has had a huge influence on cinema since the fifties. Yeah. So, um, you don't you don't um, you know, learn anything about film without knowing Seven Samurai. Yeah. Um, is do you guys have any? guesses as to uh, the tomato meter um it's probably a pretty no. easy guess it's it's probably certified isn't it 100 percent. like yeah. this, this is one of yeah. those movies that yeah, yeah yeah it's it's it like it's in these kinds of lists of yeah. like greatest movies of whatever whatever 100 um, percent uh tomato meter 97 percent audience score obviously you know and yeah. i i would probably put it at like a low 90 for like just personal enjoyment i thought it was a very above average movie could have been a little bit shorter in my opinion but overall i, I pretty much agree with that the yeah. a plus so. i'm interested to see because i don't know I'm, I'm sure that film buffs will come out of the walls in order to stone me and drink my blood um but personally uh like i like i can obviously enjoy and appreciate the technical ability 
of older movies like this. Like this, this was a good movie, no qualifiers, right? Um, but like, I, I just feel like we've gotten better as time goes on on certain aspects of filmmaking. Um, I'm interested to see whether or not, cause I'm open-minded, right? I'm interested to see whether or not any of these like, like old masterpieces are, are ever going to be as my favorite as something like, um, like I, my, as, as, as of the time of recording, my favorite movie of all time is the French dispatch, uh, which is a, which is a very relatively new movie. Um, or an animation, uh, it's probably Akira, um, which I wonder if that was named after Akira Kurosawa. Uh, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to watch more old movies and find out if any of them, uh, like, on their own, like, land themselves in, like, my top five. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, regardless of decade, um... That like like Seven Samurai is probably the oldest movie I think we've watched so far for the purposes of this podcast, um, and it's it, it's a, it's at the very least let me know that there are abs like I can absolutely enjoy an older movie yeah. like as long as it's as long as it's good you know what I mean like old is still good but I don't think that old means good yeah at least not yet <laughs> for me personally yeah. Um, I'm interested to like watch older stuff. Like, I don't know, like day the earth stood still or metropolis or citizen Kane or some shit. You know what I mean? And see Uh. if any of those on their own, like standing on their own, get into like my top 10 or my top five or something like that. But I'm not going to give something extra credit just because it's old. You know what I mean? Mm. Like for me, it's, it's, I'm not grading on a curve. Yeah. Personally. Cause I, I just, and this is, this is just like a me problem. I know that. But these movies just don't get me emotionally going. You know what I mean? Like I just like I never at one at any point in this movie felt like I was gonna cry. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like some of the people that I've heard talk about this movie, they're like, "Oh, I was openly weeping at this point." And I'm just like, "Really? Like I don't like the acting it's is just not, not grabbing me like yeah. that." Yeah. The acting specifically, I think, is my problem because when I watch movies, I watch for actors' performances, and that's probably from you know, our theater background, doing a lot of acting in high school, like, that's the thing that, like, I know the most about, like, personally, and so that's something that, like, grabs me, and so, like, something like Marriage Story, which is, like, just an amazing character study with fucking two phenomenal actors as the leads, that movie, I was weeping, like, like, the entire fucking time, like, it's just so good, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson knock it out of the park, and, like, if the the acting in these older movies is just like it it doesn't feel real you know what i mean cuz like a lot of the it's acting theatrical yeah it's very theatrical and over the top and that just doesn't get me emotionally and because yeah, of that intimate and cinematic yeah exactly yeah. and so i think that's why none of these older movies are ever going to be in my top 10 because they don't have and, and maybe I'll be proven wrong, you know what I mean? But from what we've seen so far, these, some of these older movies, they just don't have that, like, really grounded, like, hyper-realistic acting that I'm looking for and that I have grown attached to. And, like, my favorite movies are usually surrounding. One, th- one thing I also will say um, that I was looking forward to that I don't think we really got. So this is my first Kurosawa film. In fact, this might be my first samurai film. Um, the only reason I really knew Kurosawa's name beyond just like taking like a film class, um, was the fact that I played a little video game. Some of you might've heard of called Ghost of Tsushima. Mm. Uh, it's very much like a, a samurai game and it's even got its own, 
uh, like video mode called Kurosawa yeah. mode, where it puts everything in like this grainy black and white really, uh, really cool. filter and makes it and makes it look like a Kurosawa movie. And like the 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 samurai tropes that I uh, like like there there are samurai tropes that I had assumed that we would see more of in here. Like like two samurai facing off against each other and posturing and like 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 little bouts of sword play and then like a big charge and then they uh, like cross each other and uh, both of them stand perfectly still and you don't know who's won until one of them drops. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the like that just like real like samurai trope kind of stuff. We didn't see as much of as I as I I thought that we were going to being the being that this was a a Kurosawa movie and B it seems to be considered like his magnum opus like like the Kurosawa yeah. film. Yeah, I would say so. Um that might be because there are other movies where he founded those tropes more specifically because it's more samurai on samurai action because this is like samurai on bandit action um which apparently like wasn't the same. Um, but I like we we got a we got a little bit of it when we were introduced to Strong and Silent Samurai, mm-hmm. uh, who was like fighting against like this boaster dude who couldn't take the fact that like their little practice bout like he had lost, and then he like insisted on like a real like blades free fight, and then Strong and Silent like cuts him down pretty much exactly how I just described, uh, like uh, like they pass at each other and then they're still and then like one falls and that's the point at which you know that they've actually been bested in combat we got like one scene of that pretty early on and it made me excited to see more to like see more of like where that trope came from and then it just kind of didn't happen for the rest of the movie um, yeah which i was which i i was expecting and which i was a little disappointed that we didn't see so maybe i need to get into kurosawa's filmography and find out um if he is actually the 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 vector origin point for these samurai tropes and if so in what movies they're found because I would like to see that and like be able to find the history of those tropes yeah. that like I see all the time now referenced in, you know, like different anime or like TV shows, things like that. Yeah. I know that this movie is kind of like considered the granddaddy of uh, samurai movies. Um, I'm sure there was probably ones before this, but this is definitely like the, you know, the night of the living dead of the samurai film. Um, I think what we saw was a little bit more reserved because Kurosawa was very diligent about researching this um, time period and like what samurais would actually be like back then. Um, in fact, the the sword daddy Kambe, he was actually based on like a real person. Um, and there, there's like there's like a couple other characters that are actually based on real people mm, too. But like Kambe's character, the guy he was based on, is like a very big deal. Like you know like the Royce Gracie of samurais like made his own like um style who other people made their styles based on his and became famous in their own right kind of thing you know what i mean um so maybe that had something to do with the more reserved like samurai action is because he was going for more of a realistic samurai because this movie originally was going to be about a day in the life of a samurai and they wrote like the entire script and everything for it, and Kurosawa read it and was just like, "Well, that was uh, a bad idea, evidently. So <laughs> let's start from the beginning." <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. So, um, we could go into some of the characters if we wanted to. Um, just like some of their, um, I, I don't want to go too much deeper, but I just wanted to talk a little bit about like uh, Kambe, um, and like the morals that he shows you know what i mean 
because he was a really interesting character to me because he, you know, the, a lot of people are like, oh, samurai are proud, samurai this or this and that, you know what I mean? In a lot of ways, Kambe is not like the typical samurai, you know what I mean? Like the posture yeah. and shouting. Yeah. And like, yeah. But, the, but he's more like more reserved, more battle weary yeah. in a lot of ways. Like he, do, like he doesn't like thirst for glory or anything. Um, but like, but he's also like that quintessential Western hero of like really good at battle, but doesn't like lust after it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like they're like the reluctant warrior, which yeah. I really liked. I love that about his character. It's a good trope. Um, it's a solid character. And he's humble. Very like humble. The first time we see him, he shaves his Which head. Which is a really subtle, like, like character work. Uh, like, the fact that he disguises himself as a monk kind of, like, creates this warrior monk uh, feel to him throughout the movie, even though it was only a disguise. But the fact that he, like, like mm. looked so at home, almost, you know? Like, yeah. in, like, the monk's hair, like, like, the, like, shaven haircut and, like, in the monk's robes. And then afterwards has like this kind of like monk like behavior towards combat and towards like like the samurai lifestyle and things like that. It's a very clever way to uh, like like uh, without being like too heavy handed kind of introduce your character in a way that, uh, you know what I mean, kind of like predisposes you to like their temperament and their sensibilities, like having himself disguise himself as a monk and solve the problem that way both shows that a he's like clever and uh like thinks outside the box but also the fact that he did it as a monk rather than as like i don't know a waiter or something you know what i mean like the like the decision to have him pretend to be a monk was clever for uh like it's a care it's a clever bit of character uh building which is why i know in one of our more recent episodes uh i talked about how um, I've been thinking more w- about screenplay in that, like, uh, like getting more movie per square inch in your movie, you know, like having like having dialogue do multiple things at once or having a scene do multiple things at once. Um, that, I think, is a really good example of what I'm talking about, because on one hand, it's an exciting scene, right? Like like a, a child has been taken hostage and this uh, samurai who we haven't been met or who like haven't been introduced to yet is going to go in and solve the problem he's going to like disguise himself as another person and it's very dramatic in that like he's approaching them the bandits being crazy he goes in kills the guy saves the kid that's all a very interesting scene but it's also doing character work by showing that he thinks outside of the box he's monk-like in his temperament and attitude and i i've been thinking about that a lot more is that that's what kind of dis- that's what kind of distinguishes a a real nuanced uh, like polished professional screenplay versus uh, a more amateurish or a more rough screenplay where things are just kind of a series of like events and everything is only what it is like where it, it's just like this is a fight scene in which people fight this is a dialogue scene in which people give dialogue and give you information you know what I mean like the that second method is is just not cutting it for me anymore um, I feel like big parts of this movie were kind of that. Maybe I'm just not a discerning enough viewer, but there were scenes that were definitely just vi- like fight scenes or dialogue scenes that were definitely just dialogue scenes and didn't seem to be doing much else at the same time. Um, but that in particular, I think was a really uh, very subtly done and well handled scene, both because it was ex- exciting and uh, because it gave you like a like a tone for how the rest of the movie would go forward, 
did some character work for this very important character and so on it was a good scene liked it a lot and a good character great character well yeah so that is uh seven samurai uh do we want to write some poems before or do we have anything else before we get on to them i feel like it's mandatory they have to be haikus now yeah yeah that makes sense all right let's do some poems then um i'll go first today seven samurai a field of flowers a hill where four friends sleep well oh that one's nice i really like that one yeah that one was great thanks do it again say it again seven samurai a field of flowers a hill where four friends sleep well oh that's nice i like that a lot good art Um, begets good art Good art begets good art. You get that tattooed on my ass. <laughs> the whole. <laughs> Mine is uh, blades of black and white. Uh, the low warrior waits to strike. Stories end in rain. Mm. Mm. Bars. I like that last line a lot. Um. Back over here, keeping us on the edge of our seat. Mm-hmm. Breathless with anticipation. A village waits like rice potties in the winter for seven heroes. Ooh. That one's so contemplative. Mm. I'm going to act like I heard it, but actually the stream came out, so I didn't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yes, mm, yes. Haiku is very yes, good poetry. Yes, yes. <laughs> well, folks, that's another episode on the books. Thanks for listening. Uh, go ahead and check Thanks us for out. Listening, you little ghouls. Yeah, you little ghoulies. Go ahead and check us out on all the socials at undeadpoets.society and email us at undeadpoetsocietypodcast at gmail to join in on the conversation. Uh, considering. If any of you would like to challenge me to a samurai <laughs> duel, you can send it uh, to our email. Um, you will have to provide the swords. And if you do challenge me to a duel, I guess I do technically get to choose the weapons. I will very likely choose samurai swords. However, that is not guaranteed. So keep that in mind. <laughs> and we will post the video of your duel on the Patreon. So go ahead and check us out. Make sure you find that content or that uh, extra content. Uh, <laughs> next week we are covering um, Fight Club by uh, the uh, great David Fincher. So. Go ahead and uh, watch that. Um, I think it's on... Where did we watch it? it? We watched it somewhere. Uh, it was HBO, wasn't it? I think it it was HBO. At the time of recording HBO, but these bitch-ass streaming services change shit all the time. So just go to to justwatch.org. Just watch. If you want to sponsor the pod, (laughs) uh, reach out so that I can reject you because you're a corporate pig. Um I don't know. I don't even know if Just Watch is a corporate pig. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can find wherever the fuck it's streaming on there. Or, I don't know, just Google search something. I'm not your mom. Or rent it or whatever. I don't fucking pirate it. Who? I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Get it delivered to you by a carrier pigeon. Yeah. Uh, the intro and outro music you're hearing right now is by the amazing Chase, I guess. Please give him some love on Spotify, Apple Music. For the love of God. For the love of God. For the love of God. He's got a gun to my head. Please. Please. (laughs) Chase is standing in this room. He hasn't blinked for hours. (laughs) Please listen to his music. 
listen to it as you go to sleep at night. Let it play over and over again. Actually, don't do that. Do that with don't. our podcast and not his music. <laughs> don't play it backwards, whatever you do. <laughs> we love you, ghouls. Be safe. Good night. Good night. Good night. Don't inhale Damn, any our of voice this is smoke like that's like... <laughs> Choking our entire world. Because our air quality index was almost 200 today. Good night. Goodbye.